0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinvin, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing today, boys? USA! USA!
1: <laughs> USA! Hey boys, how are we doing? Just uh, sorry, you're getting ready here. Hey everybody, hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, I'm excited for this
2: movie
0: today. Uh, it'll be a lot of good discussion, I think, on this one, to be honest. So, looking forward to it. For all the folks at home, today we're doing an American iconic classic with uh, 2004's Miracle.
1: Want to hear an amazing story? Back in 1960, Coach Brooks was on the Olympic hockey team. But a week before the games,
3: his coach cuts him and sends him home. And that team went on to win the gold medal without him. Herb Brooks had given up his dream of Olympic glory. Until twenty ordinary kids. Why'd you want to play hockey? This isn't it obvious for the girls? <laughs> gave him a second chance. The Soviets win. My goal
1: is to beat them at their own game. Beat the best team in the world. Gold medalists in '64, '68, '72,
0: '76. Name? Mark Johnson. Buddy Schneider. Michael Rizzioni. You're missing some of the best players. Not looking for the best players, Craig. I'm looking for the right ones.
3: They were bitter rivals. A lot of guys from Minnesota and Boston. Yeah, that's gonna work. But one coach had a plan to turn them into
1: a team. I got no time for quitters. You want me to play, huh? I want you to be a hockey player. I am a hockey player! Think that'll get them going? Oh, yeah.
3: When you face the impossible.
1: Russia's main weapon is intimidation. This guy's ever swell? The Russians, they get shot if they smile.
3: <laughs> and you refuse to give up. Oh, I think it's gonna be this hard. Yeah, you did.
1: We start becoming a team right now.
3: Miracles can happen. Dream on, dream on, dream on,
1: dream on. When you pull on that jersey, the name on the front is more important than the one on the back. Michael Ruggione. Who do you play for? I play for... United States of America!
3: Welcome to the Olympics, gentlemen. Walt Disney Pictures presents. This is something that this country is ready for.
1: Great moments are born from great opportunity. If we play them ten times, they might win nine, but not this game. Listen to it. We can beat these guys.
3: Discover the story is your time behind the greatest moment in sports history Don't in yes!
0: well nothing tastes better after a twirl on the ice than an ice cold beer nothing tastes better after an inspiration-filled uh, movie trailer like an ice cold beer so without further ado let's get into our brew review <music>
3: Here, beer, here.
1: Oh, what are we drinking today, Webb? Well, boys, this week we're crushing the beer that birthed the bean pot. We're going to stamp tax these pints just like Sam Adams did those tea crates back in Boston. This week we're crushing a pint of Samuel Adams' go-to beer, the Sam 76. At 4.7%, this pint gives the flavor of an ale with the refreshing and crisp finish of a lager. A lightly golden, slightly veiled brew with subtle citrus tropical aroma that is refreshing and smooth. Give them a follow on all their social media links or check them out by visiting SamuelAdams.com and remember, at Sam Adams, they're brewing the American dream. As always, Big League Fricks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you have a safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.
0: not you kick us off, JR?
1: All right. There's one. Here comes uh, two. Two sips. You know the drill. Sam Adams. What a guy.
0: Visit great, great guy, to-
2: bad bowler.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> visited his gravestone in boston one time it's pretty cool actually he was you know for our american listeners he was one heck of an american no doubt
3: sure was, yeah. uh he makes
2: a great beer i'm really enjoying this Jamer. i like the this is a very refreshing pint we had we looked at the two different types and jamie said try to find the 76 if so we can get our hands on it, and we did so i'm gonna give this one a very nice mark um i'm gonna go on this one with an 8.2 I really enjoy this and I love just, I love the Sam Adams story. So I'm not throwing this one off the Dartmouth, if you know what I mean.
0: And just another kind of thing about the 76, 76 was the last winter Olympics before the 80 Olympics, which this movie is based on. And the US team did not very good showing at the 76 Olympics. So a little bit of redemption coming back at you. I like this beer. Usually I drink it in the summers because it is kind of more of a summer beer, but it's a tasty beer. I'm, I'm going to go 8.4 on this one.
1: Reasonable score. Reasonable score. Would you go 8 2? Yeah. 8 2. Hmm. I enjoy this beer too. It's okay. I mean, it's American, so it's a little watered down for my likes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have the same kind of flavor that, let's say, a detour would have that we're going the same kind of beer. Um, but I enjoy it. Actually, I think our buddy Leggy would probably like this one better than a detour. That's for sure. I think you would too. Uh, him in his skinny jeans and everything. <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go a decent score on this one as well. I'm going to go with a seven, eight. I'm going to go with a seven, eight. It's a good beer. I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not really on the IPA train right now, i be mm-hmm. quite honest. So it's a little hard getting on this one, but I, I like it. It's flavorful.
0: It's good. It's light. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good beer. Yep. Solid beer. So as we mentioned earlier. Today, we're doing Disney's Miracle, directed by Gavin O'Connor, distributed in 2004 by Buena Vista Pictures. Got a 7.5 rating on Internet Movie Database, 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $28 million and grossed $64.5 million at the box office. Music by Mark Isham, who also did the music for Warrior. Starring Kurt Russell, Patricia Clarkson, and Noah Emmerich. Quick movie synopsis. The inspiring story of the team that transcended its sport and united a nation with a new feeling of hope based on the true story of one of the greatest moments in sports history the tale captures a time and place where differences could be settled by games and a cold war could be put on ice in 1980 the united states ice hockey team's coach Herb brooks took a ragtag squad of college kids up against the legendary juggernaut from the soviet union at the olympic winter games character review let's start out with herb brooks played by kurt russell what do you got here jr oh
2: you guys all know and most listeners if you listen to some of these know i am a kurt russell fan no doubt the character um i'll speak always of the character i really enjoyed him he was the type of person who brought obviously when you bring people from you know the boston minnesota rivalry we know that exists and what he was able to do and do it his way i got to really respect that about it in something like the olympic circles or anything along those lines there's so many fringe people that they're always trying to pull you in the direction and everyone has their own interests so i really really respect the way that herb did it and built it and stuck to it that scene where he was in the parking lot i think outside their olympic center in Colorado springs i think it was and he you know yeah yeah say what you got to say he didn't care And a lot of people would have waffled at that. And I think that's the kind of leadership that started to resonate throughout the team. You know, the quote where he's like, I don't want the best players. I want my players. Um, That was a guy that knew what he was working with. And a lot of coaches now won't do that. So I think he provides the optimal leadership. He's in your face. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, you have to think about this, that the guy is leading like 20 to 25 year old players. Mm We're all bullheaded, strong-headed, stars in their own mind. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed the character. He focused so hard on chemistry. And at the start, you're not sure. And then you see how he's doing. He's doing it his way through through the bag skates, through all those types of things. But he's trying to get you to drop that I play for Duluth, I play for Minnesota, or the U. I'm sorry, the U in Minnesota. The U's in Miami, by the way. I'm sorry about that one. I know. I'm sorry. I see you. I just think of Miami. But anyway, the way, you know, Boston University, Boston College, wherever it was, they were coming from to that you play for the USA. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really good moment that you can carry into different things that you do. So overall, I mean, he has a lot of BDE. No (laughs) doubt about that. uh, I love how he let them fight the O'Callaghan and uh, McClanahan. McClanahan. I kind of like that he let them fight a little bit and then it was like, you look like you're two things humping or wrestling over whatever his quote was. I forget. Humping a football. Thank you. I I actually really like that. Sometimes that just needs to happen. And I mean, it's 1979 at this point too. Mm -hmm. So times are different. I love that he just let that happen, boys. Sometimes, you know, you got stallions out there that just need to get this out of them.
1: Yeah, I I had a lot of those same kind of characteristics and qualities you talked about. I had words like anti-establishment, maverick, nonconformist, laser-focused, unapologetic and uh, confident in that initial meeting with USA Hockey. He kind of just goes in. Old school, he's a prick, uh, but he's somebody, I think, in this room anyways, all three of us would love to play for because he Mm -hmm. makes you accountable and he makes sure that the team is above everything else. And I also had visionary, right? (laughs) Uh, and a lot of those times, people who we consider visionaries are kind of pricks, right? They're laser focused because they're trying to do something different that's never been done before. In this case, it's beat a a, a, a hockey team from, the, from Russia. But yeah, I, I mean, I love the character himself. I don't really love him as a husband, although I will give him credit for this, that he seemed to kind of... When he realized he, he screwed up there with the wife, he would go and he would try and make amends at least or at least uh, they looked yes. like they had a, a decent working relationship at some points. Um, but he was also laser focused to the point where, you know, sometimes you just want to give, give your head a shake and just be like, come on, dude. Like, seriously, it's just a hockey game. Like, let it go a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I I love them. I mean, Kurt Russell uh, did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, we're big fans of him here on this pod and Tombstone
0: for if nothing else. James. I liked how he pulled the Minnesota accent off, like the Midwest accent. Yeah, it's a good did point. A good, did a good job with that. And uh, just one more thing to mention about it. And we talked about the nonconformist, the, the style of play they were going after, which that was the style that the Russians were known for back in that time. And the, whole, the, the funniest thing about it is, and this was 1979 80 and they beat the Russians at their own game playing this style. You know what this style actually is, though? It's possession hockey. Yeah. You're maintaining possession of the puck. It's not like stay in your lane, dump and chase, crash and bang hockey. It's possession hockey. So it's funny. That really didn't start sticking at the NHL level, so to speak, until like a few years back. Like maybe... It's probably been about five to six years that they've really shown the value of possession hockey o- over here. So and is that is that in response to, because I,
1: I caught this in the movie and I was going to ask you guys about this, the trap being played? Because it looked like there was a couple instances where they, when they panned out on the camera angle, it looked like the States anyways, the way
0: they were pulling back, it looked like they were playing the trap a little me, bit. Probably mm. from a defensive side, maybe. Yeah. Um, but from an offensive standpoint, the whole idea of the Russian system was Phil Lane's maintain possession of the puck past the space circling yes in constant motion yeah you're constantly in motion your forwards are you're not just going up and down in your lanes yeah uh stopping and starting dumping pucks in you don't want to dump pucks in. you want to maintain possession so if you go to attack and there's nothing there circle back regroup find a way to get through again so it's very soccer like in a little bit of a way there you think about it, yeah. The idea, you're very, of very much so. is yeah. Totally soccer, like yeah. absolutely, and like there's a lot of parallels between hockey yeah. and soccer. That and
2: there's good. common sense toward it too. Yeah, yeah, hold 100%. the puck. If you yeah. have puck, yeah, <laughs> you're <laughs> more likely to. All. Yeah, I never. Like you like,
0: dictating like, it. <laughs> like I came through hockey in the '90s when everything was dump and chase and traps were coming in and, and be everything. big, and be big, right? Like so, this style was something that i actually experienced when i once i did go over and play in europe and it was so much better i just loved it a lot better it made more sense like
1: which is kind of funny too because i was going to ask you guys about this i took i put down a lot of questions just to ask you boys about this one this week when they showed the kind of like gauntlet drill there where they got guys all lined up against the boards and i just sat there i was like I don't really see this kind of fitting their
0: style very well no like, that would have been an old school that's kind old of school they, old that's, school kind of drill right they, they did throw a lot of old school drills in there for those scenes which didn't make a lot of sense with the style they were going to play so i yeah that, that was a good catch there webb and yeah. it's funny that gauntlet drill like it was i remember it as a kid always being the, well the smallest kid on the team and i hated that i remember the year that i broke my collarbone like it was a compound fracture basically at my collarbone doing that drill in practice
2: we did that drill uh i don't remember what year it was in we were doing it and because we were coming up to ontario to play in a hitting mm-hmm. tournament because ontario hit
0: before we did <laughs> that's played right the big yeah
1: bad kids from the gth yeah, we, we did we,
0: you guys didn't hit till band
2: and we went up to yeah we came up to toronto and they played hitting in triple a wee, i think it was and or band. I, I think i can't remember what year it was And yeah, we had to get ready to hit. We won that tournament,
0: by the way. Just let you guys know. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Well, let's move on to (laughs) Craig Patrick, played by (laughs) Noah Emmerich. Uh, What a perfect bridge guy.
2: He's just the perfect bridge guy. In the words of American politics, he's the checks and balances to me. (laughs) He was. He's the checks and balances. You need somebody of like... Of that to he's you know legislative branch yeah essentially
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: when herb had the snap induced the snap show and then I'll go clean it up that's a perfect working relationship is yeah. it not you're yeah. like this is a perfect assistant coach he did a good job building up uh, rapport with his players and he was there where herb couldn't be and herb couldn't do that yep and he knew that right away so he's like Craig yeah I need you to do this basically and he was fantastic at it he
0: obviously knows his hockey that guy went on to a very successful career yeah. Uh GM of the Penguins for a long time. So he had just finished playing in the NHL when he took this job. I think the connection between him and Herb was that Craig Patrick played on the Olympic team with Herb Brooks. Because Herb Brooks played on like, I don't know, the 68, okay. 64. And then there's that year where they talk about how he didn't. Mm-hmm. 60. 60 or whatever it was. Um, so he played with Herb Brooks in I think 68 maybe on the Olympic team. So that's their connection in real life.
2: And I mean, he was cool. You could see, you know, on the, in the bag skate after the Norway game. Again, he he knew this was insane. Yeah. And you need somebody on your staff has to be thinking of this all the time between him and Docted too. But Craig
1: Patrick, perfect bridge guy. Um, yeah, it's fantastic guy. Web. I don't have much to, to add, Jr. You got you kind of nailed. It. I mean, while he's a really important character in terms of the team, there's not a whole lot for us to really dissect on him. I had. Little wet behind the ears, just because this is his first kind of go at the whole coaching thing. Yep. Um, but he does a great job at deflecting all of Herb's bullshit. Right. He's the perfect buffer, like you said. He he bridges that the gap between the young guys and and I'll say the uh, the Gestapo regime of Herb. <laughs> right. Like
0: he's. I mean, whatever. We'll get onto that one later on. Go ahead, Gene. This is the perfect type of coaching staff for me, because I always like it when the head coach is the heavy hand. Yeah. And then the assistant coaches kind of pick up the pieces. Yeah. And they're, if you're going to have, he mentions it earlier in the thing, I'm not going to be your friend. If you want a friend, talk to talk to Craig or Doc. And that that makes a lot of sense. And all the best teams I've been around, the head coach is, he can be a prick because he's being kind of heavy-handed and he's the authoritative one, but you respect him. And the assistant coaches are there to kind of help pick you up you know they're usually former players and they're guys that can you can relate to really well and they they have the same vision and mindset as a head coach but they're there to kind of like act as call a you. buffer as you, call call you. yeah because players need that they need yep. their ego stroke they need things like that so they're these are the guys that are kind of there to toe that line a little bit and and help them out you know.
1: and to be fair i mean when shit hits the fan the head coach is usually the one that takes all the brunt of the criticism Absolutely. right so i mean I think that's a good way to to have that that structure set up. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So it was perfect setup, and I thought Noah Amrick did a good job playing the role. Let's talk about uh, Jim Craig, played by Eddie Cahill. This guy would be a perfect stunt double for any Rock'em
1: Sock'em movies. Like I can, the whole time I'm watching videos of this guy, <laughs> all I hear is Don Cherry in the background saying, "Like, act like you've been there before." And he's every save, he's stacking the pads, or he's, <laughs> he's like, saying, Where like are the pads he's stack flying across the the crease, like his positioning looks awful he needs a goaltending coach by the looks of it although he's just kind of like fighting the puck the whole time um <laughs> the actual character i mean sarah's like oh that's tag from friends i'm like okay sure <laughs> like he's i don't know he's pure boston fairly good looking guy yeah, yeah. yeah do okay. <laughs> he's okay he's, he's flooding basements still oh, yeah. uh i mean I, I i mean i don't know I don't have a whole lot to add on him. I felt his kind of backstory was kind of neat. Uh, gives him a little bit more depth about like the, the mom and everything else. Yeah. And that's his dream. But yeah. again, he didn't really seem like the perfect team guy to me. I don't know, Jer. I had that using Eddie Cahill in this movie,
2: who's a proper actor. He needed, he had to do some acting. Yeah. yeah. And then having the background with his mom and that whole like trying to get his game back and all that. I'm glad they used a real actor for that to Absolutely. play that they needed some acting on this one some of those scenes with kurt russell uh i think by the uh i forget where they're where they are but they're outside of a building somewhere the bus. bus, sorry the yeah. bus and they're talking that's good acting yeah, to me. Those are two properly trained actors. The way they're moving, the way they're talking, the dialogue, I thought that was great to have Cahill in that role. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's 21, fantastic restaurant in Lake Placid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, right next to rumors, maybe?
1: <laughs> yeah, can't my fingers there, JR. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Dancing bears?
2: <laughs> I, we love Lake Placid on the show. Yeah, um, I thought Herb did a good job with him. He coached him up. Yeah, He saw something, a little project there for him, and he knew deep down he was there. And... The game was there. I thought him and his dad had an interesting relationship too. But Jimmy really needed the push and he needed a kick in the butt. And Herb was the guy to do it. Like you said, Webb, he's not there to be your friend. But him not there being his friend also elevated Jim Craig to the dominant goalie for two weeks that he was in that Olympics. His stats are good. Oh, he was really good, yeah. So well, it Looks like he faced
1: a shit ton of shots.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he was there. And Herb did a great job. And that guy, you know, you got to give credit to Jim Craig. For that two weeks, he was a hero for the United States hockey team.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, he was great. I mean, there. Were, I remember watching like documentaries back in maybe like the early nineties or whatever. But they were old documentaries, and uh, he was kind of the face of everything back then. I mean, Herb Brooks was too, but Jimmy Craig was kind of the as a player. He was kind of the face of it all because he was basically stood he was the best player they had in that tournament because he stood in his head totally yeah i mean i
2: remember as a little kid and (coughs) you started to hear about this jim craig was like a prominent name big time yeah absolutely you heard jim craig
0: he's a legend and obviously like new england sports lore as well absolutely um he was one of 13 players that went on to play in the nhl from this team as well let's jump into mike aruzzione played by patrick o'brien dempsey Rizzo, uh good character, good captain,
2: good team guy. Um, a lot of things. He bought, to me, obviously, with the line where they're getting bag skated, Michael only Team USA. He, though, obviously, in real life, too, helped with chemistry. Really important character, really important character on that team. Obviously, we know why, but the way he, you know, he kind of looked out for people, he kept things real, he talked to Herb a lot. He took a lot from Herb, too. Mm-hmm. He was one of those guys from Herb who took a ton. But he took it, and he, the way he tried to work with the you know the Boston guys, he was trying to broker some sort of relationship all the time. You saw in the bar, you saw in other places, in the locker room, he seemed really well respected. I'm sure he was in real life. I mean, he was obviously very. He was kind of one of their glue. Yep. And that idea of the Minnesota Boston thing, I think this movie helped to bring light to that for me. Was the Minnesota Boston rivalry? I didn't think a ton about it living yeah. in Ontario, Canada, right? So Ruzioni, I mean, that's a legendary United States hockey name. And if you say to me the 1980 U.S. team, it's Mike Ruzzioni and Jim Craig.
1: Yeah, It's flat out. As a those little kid, guys. you even knew about them in PEI Canada. You knew who Mike Ruzioni, Jim Craig. Yeah, he eats a lot of shit sandwiches from Herb in this movie. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. He also, those first couple scenes of him in the movie, there's some foreshadowing there, obviously, to how important his role is going to be as, as the captain and the glue guy kind of later on. You know when he's talking to oc about why he wanted to play hockey and he wanted to win for a national championship like <laughs> his pure boston comes out there and, yeah. and ruzio and he's like yeah you know like relax McClanahan's a good guy like this is all going to kind of work itself out there like uh i, I you kind of have to respect him for that i mean he's got a hell of a goal celebration with his little tip tap there to it's, the iconic. it's iconic it's yeah. iconic so i mean uh great great character i thought the kid that played it did an okay yeah. job even though i made some comments previously that he didn't overly look a whole lot like the original guy, but hey. I thought he was close, close enough. I thought there was some thinning hair going on there that <laughs> was, was a little suspect of the actor playing him, but uh, hey, maybe he just doesn't have a good hair guy. I don't know. When you have like hair that. as thick as Web, uh, everybody's, everybody's, got, with, thinning everybody's yeah. got thinning hair. Everybody's got thinning hair,
0: honestly. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, he... Aruzzioni was actually... He was the oldest guy in the team at 26. It might have been it might have been Buzz Schneider. I think he was 26 as well. I didn't look at well, like which month they were born in, but there those are the two oldest guys on the team. And uh, Aruioni had already played two, if not three, seasons already in the IHL, hmm. and and like which was the American League back at the day, okay. and had like over a point a game at in the, hmm. uh, during that those seasons. So he'd been he's kind of a, he was definitely a seasoned vet. I mean, you had Mike Ramsey, who was a a true freshman at the time. Mm -hmm. He was 18 years old on this team. He went on to an amazing NHL career. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, Aruzioni was old. He'd been around. That makes a big difference. He was mature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. -hmm. Let's move on to Jack O'Callahan, played by Michael Mantenudo. Great character. Grit. This
2: guy is the kind of guy you want on your team. He, I mean, when he gets injured... uh, the fight in him and Herb not getting rid of him and keeping him, I actually really enjoyed that part. I love how Herb, you know, how big of a prick he can be. He was one of his guys, and that's the kind of guy to me. If you're talking chemistry, you're talking team, OC's a team guy. In the end, he comes around, and he's going to bring the kind of grit you're going to need to win games. And I really enjoyed him. I thought he would be miserable to play against. Yeah. Uh, grit, edge, I said I in my notes, I would hang on to him. Great hair and handsome. That's not a there. Long time
0: Chicago black but
2: too. But he was a fantastic. I, I actually really enjoyed him. Maybe one of my favorite characters in the movie. I I thought there was a bunch of bits and pieces to him.
1: I just I don't know. I enjoyed him, Lib. I think they should have cut him when he got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I'm not gonna lie. I thought the way they were setting him up uh, at the beginning of the movie. I I don't know. Maybe I totally misread this one. Clearly, I probably did. But uh, they made it seem like he was going to be way more of an important character in terms of like his offensive output and like just how uh, great of a, a a scorer he could be. And then, well, he was a demon. That's what I mean. But like I I thought of more like an offensive demon, right? Like oh, okay, he's going yeah, yeah, to yeah. lead rushes. Fair he's going to he's going to pot a couple on the power play. He's going right. to be that guy. Um, he's going to be on power play one. Like he's yes. he's that guy, right? So. I don't know. I just, when when he gets hurt and you're talking about how he's a great team guy, I'm like, he's such a great team guy. Like, bring back the guy that just got cut for him. Like, you can't play until, at best, what, the medal round? And yeah. and they basically had the, the outlook was like, really, we don't have a hope in hell of actually making the medal round? Like, if Herb is under all this kind of crazy pressure, I just, it, it was one of the parts to me that I thought was Pretty unrealistic that they would keep him around i know it's probably what actually happened but yeah. again i'm not as up on this stage of u.s hockey uh because i just don't care but to me it just seemed kind of ridiculous that they did they would have
0: cut this The was schultzy or whatever his name was at the last minute or um, coxie ralph, coxie. Cox? ralph cox. cox it was yeah. funny though i actually read an article and the other guy that got caught uh, cut at the same time as ralph cox they were the last two cuts um i think in the movie they really only allude to one but the uh, the, lo- the guy that actually got cut last was a guy named Jack Hughes. He was a defenseman, which w- mm. which is what um, O'Callaghan was, right? Right. So, so Coxie uh, was a forward then. Coxie was a forward, yeah, okay. high-scoring forward. Actually, he had he had like twenty-six points in thirty games during the run because they played throughout the year, right? They were playing exhibition games against like IHL teams, college teams, whatever to get ready for this, mm-hmm. and like yeah. and also teams overseas, but. Jack Hughes was a defenseman that they cut, and he was one of the thirteen that actually went on to play in the NHL. I uh, mean, O'Callahan's good. Don't get me wrong. And you, no. like you
1: said, he's a hell of a man. Rocket, like he would do okay. <laughs> oh yeah, um,
0: I think he was a nuts and bolts
1: guy I, th- for the I, team. Yeah, he yeah. must have been. You
0: I want I mean? him
2: around. I want him. If I'm Jim Craig, I want him in on my in front of
0: my net. I have some notes on him. Fair enough. The, I want him in my head. own end. I think he there was a lot of leadership in what yeah, he brought to the team. Clearly, there must have been if Herb kept them around, right? Like, one hundred percent, he's, bringing, he's bringing something. They had really good D on this team. Like a lot of their D went on to play in the show and they were really good. Like Ken Morrow, he was a stud. Won like yeah. four four cups or something. Like they had some good players. He was one of those guys. Good two way defenseman had a good career in the NHL. I think his biggest value was his heart. I think that, and I think that's why Herb kept him around because that enough. leadership piece. Are there other notable characters you guys want to give a shout-out to? Uh, Patty
2: Brooks. Yep. I thought she was a fantastic lady and a great foil to Herb. She was one of the few people who could put Herb right in his place. Mm -hmm. Melissa, my wife, made one point, though, about Patty. She talked and seemed a lot older than Herb. Yeah. Melissa said that. I was like, you know what? You make a great point. She was kind of in and out of the room I was watching the movie, and she said, like, she seems a lot older than him, but – great character i thought she was obviously very important
1: i don't point. think there's
2: a miracle on ice without patty brooks no.
1: what's her no. what's that actress's name Clark- clarkson Clark- there's something i said to my wife when we were watching it's this good actress she's mm-hmm. a there's something about her she's a vixen like i find her so sexy i think it's the voice yeah um, okay there's just something very calming but also like i don't know loving about the voice like just when she comes in she's ultimately supportive but like she also runs the roost. Let's be honest. like yes. Herb, Herb yeah. knows his place. Like, yeah, you might be, you know, the boss out there at the rink, but here at home, you're going to do whatever the hell she tells you to do. It's let's true. Be honest.
2: <laughs> like we all do. And like I just said, I don't think there's a miracle on ice without Betty no. Brooks. No, no
1: for no. sure.
0: That's a good point. Anybody else stand out for you? You got anybody, Webb? I got nobody. I had, that was mm. the, who I had as well. Just two shout outs. Uh, Robbie McClanahan played by Nathan West. Nathan West is actually an actor. But the interesting thing about him is, uh he actually was a player too. He played in the OHL for the Detroit Whalers. I, I got a little note on him later. Cool. and Mark Johnson. So Johnson Johnson, Ma- Johnson McClanahan and Neil Broughton were their top scores uh, in the in the actual like thing. Mark Johnson had like he's really he was really good. He was really He had, good. had a good career in yeah. the He's NHL the kid too. that goes coast to coast. yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. He's, he was really good. Yeah. he's played by Eric Peter Kaiser. I've got a note on him as well. a couple of interesting things about them. Let's jump into uh, our quotes. Are there any quotes that really stood out for you? I had the one, uh, JR kind of talked about it earlier. It looks like a couple monkeys trying to hump a football.
1: Uh, the other one that I had, uh, legs feed the wolf, gentlemen. I liked a lot of herbs. Herbs were kind of all the big ones for me. You had a lot of good ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I also liked, I guess with notable characters, if we had to break this one up, is Doc... German or Russian? Oh yeah, we don't ever. <laughs> do we, don't, we ever oh, kind of oh, find that out? I'm sitting here I'm like German. I, well, I'm hoping with the accent, but like otherwise, yeah, <laughs> could be a spy. I'm <laughs> like, what's going on here? Viktor Tikhonov saying. Like um, Grandpa Jack. Putin sending uh, his
2: long-lost nephew over or something. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But. I got a couple. Um, just scored 10 goals, Jimmy. It's everybody's net at this point. Yeah, that's an amazing that's a great quote. That's a great quote. Uh, you got a bad Bruce. Put your street clothes on and leave. I got no time for quitters. Mm. I, that was One of my more favorite scenes, too, is when he induced the snap show and just walking out and say, that'll get him going. Yeah. That's, to me, you are – I that's, loved it.
0: That's, that's what coaches do. They yeah. try to find ways to get guys to rally around something. And a lot of times, like – some of the best teams, and you guys could, can yep. uh, agree, because um, the sports you guys played, if the players hate you, but they love each other, that's better than yeah. anything, right? It's perfect. Like, sometimes you get the guys who are just not getting along, and you're like, you've got to figure out a way to get these guys cohesive. Yeah. And if they're hating me... They're going to like each other and figure out a way to like pull through.
2: It. He's not there to be your friend. He's a grown man. Yeah, he doesn't need to be friends with twenty-one year olds.
0: Right. Essentially, yeah. I don't
2: blame him. And he's a grown man. Uh, great moments, great opportunities. that's a quote you can Absolutely take into life. Quote.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So those are the ones with me. Herb Brooks's quote: All-star teams fail because they rely solely on individual talent. The so- the Soviets win because they take that the talent that they have and use it in a system that's designed for the betterment of the team. And that goes kind of to what you were mentioning earlier, Webb. Uh, and that was key to to beating these guys and being successful. And I think that's being successful with any team at any level.
1: So those IHL, that IHL all-star team. or They, the, they beat an NHL all-star team. Then they Six beat and an NHL all-star team. But the IHL all-star yeah. team, you said Aruzioni could have, he played a couple of years in, in the IHL. Could none of those guys have gone and played for this team USA if they wanted to? They, they the could semi-pro guys, are I they not able to? I think it depended if they were on an NHL two-way deal or okay. not. Because you would figure if they were good enough to make the IHL all-star team, they'd be yeah. good enough to try and play on this. Se- like, I'm curious. I I'm,
0: think, I'm more curious about that. Like like the amateur status? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, I think, I think the amateur status back in those days was uh, based on whether you were on an NHL deal. And in okay. NHL, a lot of guys in the IHL that were top players probably were on a two-way, two-way deal. You also think about it, and I could be way off.
2: I remember Canada having teams, and like remember Chris Contos? Yeah, played on Canada's yep. Olympic team way before everyone else, mm-hmm. and uh, he came, or sorry, he Fabian played, and Joseph, Fabian Joseph, like Jason Woolley, and guys yeah. like that. I think they had played pro.
0: They did, yeah. And then became amateur staff. They were, they were in the AHL, I think, and they. But I don't know if they were on two way deals. Yeah. So back then, there's ways. Nowadays everybody's on two way deals. It's kind of a like yeah. the NHL. I think can sign a lot more guys. I think back then they couldn't sign as many guys, so they had a okay. lot of a lot of guys. And I I can't remember. Well, there wouldn't have been nearly as many
1: NHL teams. Sean either, Burke, right? Right. Remember Sean Burke was yeah. Canada's goalie. Dude, Sean is, Burke is, was like, isn't he still high up with Hockey Canada?
0: Sean oh, Burke? yeah. Isn't he like yeah, the I
1: mean, president or something at this point? But he was New Jersey Devil for a
0: long oh, time. Oh, forever. Man. Oh, yeah. He he ended up playing with them because he played in the NHL for a long time, and then he was not on an NHL deal, and he played mm-hmm. for the San Diego Gulls in the IHL, which would have been the sickest team to play that on. That would be NHL. a good go. Yeah. They had some good players at that time, um, and so I think he was kind of like in between finding a deal, so he was able to play because he wasn't on an NHL Yeah, contract. so there's, there's loopholes into yeah. things like that. That's Absolutely. No doubt. Were for sure. Uh, let's get into some little-known facts. Former NHL veteran of over a thousand games, Ryan Walter was brought on as one of those consultants, as I mentioned. Walter uh, can also be seen as playing a referee in the final game, along with Walter, Gavin O'Connor, who who was the director for Warrior a movie yep. that we did uh, pretty recently that we enjoyed. Tapped uh, sports movie coordinator, our buddy legend Mark Robert Ellis to consult. That's our on guy. boy. This guy's on everything. He oh. is. Not but roller skates.
3: Are all over.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, I think Gavin O'Connor, that's all the movies I've seen with him. He really puts a lot of emphasis in the realism of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it really shines through, especially in this movie. It's not, other than Herb Brooks, played by our boy uh, Kurt Russell, it's not like the best acting you've ever seen. No, it's not. But you have the root
2: of the story. Mm-hmm. And every uh, not everyone, I should say. A lot of people know that
0: story pretty well. So yeah. you're walking in with pretty good knowledge. So you don't need crazy acting. No, no. You just need people to fill the parts. That's right. Uh, the technical consultants and coordinators study, studied film from the lead-up games all the way through the Olympic Games. And they actually tailored the hockey scenes to mimic exact plays that happened in key moments. So countless days and hours were spent on ice perfecting in the choreography of these plays. That was pretty well done. I thought they did a pretty good job on the hockey in this. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I actually went back and looked at, I think they had, I can't remember what it was on, but I actually watched some of the gold medal, or not the gold medal, the, the quarter or the semifinal game between USA and Russia. Mm-hmm. They had it on something. So I remember I had just watched the movie and I was watching some of that game and literally some of the plays they showed in the movie, they were, they were actually – they set it up really well. They did a really good job of showing well,
2: them. Well, we're kind of lucky because even though 1980 seems like that long ago, it's not that long ago. So yeah. the players are not that old, right? You no. can like, come to the rink and be like, where were you? Oh, They'll remember.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You've scored. A guy, they're going to know where Like, exactly the Ruzioni's goal happen. was yeah. done. It was perfect. Like, the way they did it. The, and the, right down to the celebration. That you well, made. even That's just fantastic. putting the Al Michaels and Ken Dryden oh, uh, commentary yeah. over top was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and they brought those guys uh, Shout out to actually. Al Michaels. They yeah. actually brought al michaels back to do the, like the voiceover you hear during the plays. yeah that's him in redoing 2004 his... redoing it all oh cool it's fantastic the only one that they didn't redo was the f- do you believe in miracles final piece the yeah. quote of quotes well, you kind of yeah. need to have that one you in need there. to have the original for that right
2: yeah you want that little bit scratchy sound like yep. that's the quote of quotes yeah, that was
0: obviously no. so former players of the 1980 u.s team said that they were pleased with the film and thought for the most part that it was really accurate But the one complaint they had was how Herb Brooks was shown to be friendly with the players. Herb wasn't going to holiday parties with the players, and he wasn't coming up with cute nicknames for them, said one former player. One other player said, we respected him, but I wouldn't say we liked him. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. That's fine. Absolutely. Some of the best coaches I've ever had were not guys that you would say you necessarily like. You
2: have gold medals,
0: and you're remembered forever. Mm Yeah, for sure. So the scene where the players confront Herb Brooks about bringing on a late arrival to the team was the actual very first scene that Kurt Russell filmed with the players and actors. Gavin O'Connor strategically did this because he wanted the players to be genuinely intimidated by Russell because this was the first time they are hanging out with Kurt Russell on the scene, right? So I thought that was pretty, a nice touch, a nice way to do it. Good way to shoot. Because obviously films are not always shot in sequence. Yeah, of course. This is a nice touch. And I've heard a lot of things about Kurt Russell. Always positive things as him as a person. He took a pay cut so that the 800 to 1,000 extras uh, used as fans at the hockey games could enjoy hot meals during the days that they were there shoot, doing the shooting instead of uh, brown bag lunches that they typically get.
1: Nice. That's yeah. pretty sweet. That's a nice move. Over well, this movie be- would be. I mean, if you're an American actor, and I mean, he's Kurt Russell's an American icon. He's in absolutely. The, he's in the Tom Hanks kind of discussion in terms of American actors. You know, this would probably be an important one to him to get for sure. In. Absolutely. And he's made a lot of money at this yep. point too. Yep. So yep. he's that good to good on him though.
0: That yep. that shows you the good human side. Yep. Yep. So over two hundred and eighty miles of film were shot, more than any other Disney movie. Interesting. Oh my. Two hundred and eighty miles? Yeah. Oh,
1: oh they, they had to get far. all those hockey scenes. They're probably rolling film on every single the whole time. One. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, as, as you kind of alluded to earlier, Jr. Herb Brooks sadly died in a car accident during the principal photography for this movie. He was a consultant on the movie leading up. A dedication is made for him before the end credits. The young men chosen to portray the members of the U.S. team were chosen primarily for their hockey skills due to the intense nature of the filming. Acting ability was secondary. In fact, for most of them, this was their first film that they ever worked on. But we kind of mentioned that earlier, that you you wanted to get the 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 realism of the hockey scenes right. down and and I think one we'll get onto it when we do slap shot but when you actually put hockey players in the role you're not only just bringing that realism of the hockey scenes but you're getting the way they talk to each other
2: absolutely the way yeah. their
0: body language is
2: yeah. the banter the discussions the way you're hanging out like at the bar
0: and things. Yeah. Like, all that is so that's true that's all realism right yes. part of it So Michael Mantidudo, who plays Jack O'Callahan, got into a fight with another player uh, who picked on him and other players during the tryouts when they were auditioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when they did this film, it kind of did it in in an order. They wanted to see guys that could play hockey, and then they narrowed it down, and then they they gave certain guys auditions for the roles. I had a bunch of friends, actually, that went to on-ice auditions for it. I was actually supposed to go to one in Toronto for this movie um, with Falky and a couple guys. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time though, reading about what was what was enta- what it was going to entail and stuff, and I'm like, by the time they pick this thing, it's going to be during the hockey season, and you're going to have to like drop out of school to go mm. on this movie. So I was like, I'm not doing that. So Mantenuto, who was out on during the tryouts, he got into a fight with a guy, and he apologized to Gavin O'Connor afterwards. To which O'Connor responded, "No, that was good. Uh, that's what I wanted to see." And Mantenudo ended up winning the part of Jack O'Callaghan. He was the defenseman dubbed as the first one to drop his gloves uh, on the team, uh, on that USA team. And continuing on with Mantenudo, he left acting after this. He actually ended up securing a couple more roles. He got a role in a a, uh, Matthew McConaughey movie, Surfer Dude, I think it was called. So he ended up nailing a role in that movie. But he ended up dropping out of acting to join the U.S. Army, and he fought isis in iraq and syria as a member of the green berets that's pretty legit Pretty yeah. Badass. Wow. yeah during his service he was awarded with the army commendation medal three army achievement medals three good conduct medals and the global war on terrorism service medal while in the service mantenuto created a peer-to-peer mental health and substance abuse support program for his fellow soldiers Sadly, Mantenuto died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound on in April 2017 in Des Moines, Washington at the age of 35. Pretty sad ending. Yeah, it is. That and actually, is uh, I was talking to, because I remember when this movie came out in 2004, I was at Clarkson, and I remember a couple of guys that I played with on the team at the time, Tristan Lush, who was our captain, and John Sullivan, you know, Sully, Jr. Mm-hmm. So those guys grew up with Mantenuto. They knew him playing hockey growing up and. After I watched this, that kind of triggered me, and I remembered about that, and uh, I actually reached out to Tristan Lush, and I said, "Didn't you and didn't you mention that you knew Mantinudo played with him? And he said, "Yeah, actually." He goes, uh, "We knew him really. Him, me, and Sully knew him really well, and he was just an amazing guy, just an awesome, like salt of the earth, do anything for his teammates type guy." So all that stuff you kind of see in the movie. It really translated to who he was as a person. sound like they picked the right guy, too. yeah, yeah and I mean, like you it. look at his career and like he left act he left his cushy acting world to to go fight ISIS in Iraq and Syria as part of the Green Berets, like what a this guy had some you know some stones and he's good character guy, obviously. definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the scene where Brooks makes the team skate back and forth on the ice as part of their bag skating thing after the three three Norway tie was actually done by the real actors over the span of three days spending 12 hours a day. Director Gosh. Gavin O'Connor wanted the moment to be as realistic as possible. He wanted Ooh. to capture that. <laughs> that would suck.
3: Ooh. <laughs> Ooh.
2: Earning earn
0: your paycheck.
1: That's, yeah, those yeah, guys put it That's there. working.
0: So Buzz Snyder in the movie is actually portrayed by his son Billy Schneider. The filmmakers didn't know Very that cool. Billy Schneider was Buzz Snyder's son until after they gave him the part of
2: really of, of that's playing cool. Bud
0: Schneider so it wasn't until I, he kept it a secret until after he actually got the part and then he revealed that's my dad that's pretty that's neat. pretty legit yeah that's, that's cool. cool so in real life the Herbies after the Norway game did not end with Mike Ruzioni saying he played for the United States of America in that super corny line <laughs> yeah they instead ended with, in real life, it ended with Mark Johnson smashing a stick over the glass in frustration. <laughs> that's your top scorer. You don't want him pissed off. Yeah. Uh, he was their go-to guy. That's here. a go-to guy for sure. Yeah. So the only player actor on the team who was more of a genuine actor was Eddie Cahill, who played Jim Craig. And while he wasn't a hockey player, he had played goalie in lacrosse and was able to adequately transition to portraying a hockey goalie. Though a stunt double is uh, still used for most of the actual in-game stuff. So the stunt goalie was actually Bill Ranford, former Oilers legend. Of course Oiler it was. Legend.
2: Nobody flops around like Bill Ranford. Billy right? Ranford. He, he made stack. every
1: save look huge. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> he could two pad stack better than anybody. Yep. Oh, uh, he did a lot
0: of things probably better than a lot of guys too. You'll like this one, <laughs> JR. You'll remember this guy, JR. Uh, so, former NHLer Sasha Lakovich. Oh, yeah. We talked about him on a pod earlier. Yeah. Oh, boy. He, uh, and Todd Harkins. Both played key roles for the USS Army team. So, Lakovich played the harrowing Boris Mikhailov, and Harkins por- uh, portrayed Valery Harlamov. Harlamov. It's yeah. Bobby Clark's guy, isn't it? He broke his ankle. Yeah. In <laughs> series with the two-hander. And Lakovic, yeah. That guy, I said before, that guy was nuts. He was a absolute nail gun that guy was tough as nails he's a St. John flame he climbed in, in the, the stands night. one night and like fought somebody oh yeah old Mike Milbury. and he wasn't big no he no, was he, not big at all he was he like wins. 5'10 but just crazy insane yeah, yeah. Like, this guy is insane his eyes in would his just eyes. glaze
2: over You're Like this guy's nuts
0: that scene where he pulls up to the face off in this movie like he's scary as hell you see that face you think that he's
2: worried about getting punched in that face? That no. face has been punched he a lot. He passed away
0: a while back. Sasha dude. Lakovic did? Yeah, he did. Oh, jeez, yeah. I didn't know that. So much has been said about how Herb Brooks was cut from the '60 team, 1960 team before they played the Squaw Valley Olympics. Mark Johnson of the 1980 team was also cut from the 76 team by Bob Johnson, his father. Ooh, I didn't know that Badger Bob Johnson. Badger Bob Johnson
2: is Mark Johnson's dad. Interesting.
0: Wow. There was an article from Sports Illustrated called The Making of the Movie Miracle, An Oral History by Sal Berry. And in this article, uh, Patrick O'Brien Dempsey, who plays Mike Ruzzioni, he was quoted as saying, One of the coolest things happened before we were shooting. We were doing rehearsals. We had white jerseys on with full cages and nothing to distinguish us from each other. No names on the back of our jerseys or anything. The director calls us over to the boards and introduces us to Herb Brooks, like the actual Herb Brooks. And he says, "How you guys doing?" Everyone was super quiet because they were nervous. So I just piped up and said, "Ah, you know, we're a little bit rusty." And he <laughs> looks at me and he says, "You must be a Ruzioni, then," because he was always a little rusty. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is the whipping boy. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Todd Harkins, who uh, who played in the NHL with Calgary, and I think he played with the Whalers too, maybe. Whale? So, he, so he was uh, he played one of the extras as a Russian hockey player. He played Valerie Harlamov. So he says, for for one sequence, I was shooting the puck and missing the net on purpose so that the goaltender could deflect it into the corner. Gavin O'Connor got upset and said he wanted me to shoot to score so it looked more realistic. So we did five takes in a row and I scored every time. (laughs) (laughs) So then Gavin was now upset that I was scoring and that the goalie wasn't making the save. So I told Gavin if he wanted a real goalie, I could could probably go and get Kirk McLean or someone out of my phone book and bring them down there. So... First person I ended up calling was Bill Ranford and he ended up being in the, as a stunt over in the movie. Nice. Did you guys notice, I, I, I'm just going to throw
1: in here for a sec, the kid that played Timmy, Timmy Har or Timmy. Yeah. yeah. Did he not look like Eric Stahl? I must've rewound it and watched it about three or four uh, times to so, see if it was
0: him. And then I, I just Googled it to see if it was So I've him. got a note about the, about him actually. Okay. Um, so the note I have about him is, his. so his name in the movie was Timmy Har. I actually played against the guy that played him. Adam Knight. Adam Knight in the minors. So he played for the Colorado Eagles and the New Mexico Scorpions. He got traded mid-season, uh, the year that I was in Amarillo. They were both in my division, so I remember every time we'd play them, guys would just chirp the shit. Oh wow. him, yeah, right. Oh yeah, all over him. Just right, light him up. Guys were like, he couldn't even fucking make the team. <laughs> you chirping him, right? And his name Timmy. That yeah. doesn't help. Yeah. yeah, but the thing was, is he was a nail gun. He was tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he played. I think he played in the WHL before or something. He looks like he could be a stalled doppelganger. But yeah, he, oh, yeah. he was. You remember he had a scar on his face? Yeah. He actually had a scar. He was a tough kid. He was a tough guy. Did he actually play at Minnesota? So mm-hmm. I was chirping, but it was from a distance.
3: <laughs> Way <laughs> back. <laughs> <with> hiding behind, <laughs> of hiding behind the heavyweights. Yeah. Of yeah. team.
0: <laughs> we had a lot of tough guys, so I was fine. I could chirp as much as I wanted. <laughs> and my D partner was a nail guy. He was the captain at Dalhousie, Neil Smith. All he right. a fucking guy. Yeah. yeah. That's great guy um, so Bill Ransford also had this to say Um, he, had, he was quoted as saying this but the movie the scene where Jim Craig gets run over by Harlamov. we did that about 20 times the last time we missed the timing of it and Todd Harkins caught me with a, a knee in the temple I ended up getting a concussion that wasn't much fun I never really had a concussion during my playing days I was back on the ice the next day but we only had a few days of shooting left so <laughs> billy radford goes through his entire career without getting concussed. gets one on a movie <laughs> gets set. one on a movie set
1: <laughs> playing us to the double that's brutal <laughs> that's a tough goal that's brutal how bad were his contracts that you need to go do stunt double work <laughs> yeah, yeah no i kidding. think he's
0: probably just bored sitting at home maybe maybe he to get to out of the house it's true probably didn't get much for them i don't think they both stunt doubles would make much let's get into our realism review what do you got you kick um it off yeah here? i got a few things um First of all, obviously, we've talked a lot.
2: Obviously, you guys talked a lot about the amount of the players as a choice. So that's all great. Um, I thought, yeah, the use of stunt doubles was pretty cool. So, yeah, kid I used to play hockey with growing up, he was a stunt double in this movie. His name was Joey Neal. Oh, really? He played Mike Ramsey's stunt double. Sweet. And, uh, yeah, he was a very good hockey player. So if they use people like him, uh, I mean, I think he played in the queue, I believe. And, I mean, if they're going to use people like him, he was out in B.C. working. Oh, nice. And they filmed this out in B.C., <laughs> and he uh just went in and did it and if they use people of his caliber that obviously shows lots of realism you talked about you know hanging out at the bar the pub things like that another thing that was kind of cool was the other connection we had was the lake placid that's roslyn bc where melissa lived my wife so it's kind of cool and that's that's literally she was there Mm -hmm. during that time like she sorry she had moved there two months or something oh, after really? they filmed yeah cool. so people were talking a lot about it and uh yeah um, and another friend of ours lisa moore she lived there with melissa too and i think it was columbia street she said was the main drag but she said the town is actually smaller than lake placid yeah but the look of it totally it's just a neat kind of thing yeah. to see in here i mean they filmed it all over some was in prince george some was in whatever but the lake placid was Roseland. yeah which is a really cool bc ski town Right on the Wisconsin oh, sorry, Washington State border. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of neat to see. So obviously, lots of realism for sure, some of the lines we know, but overall web, using all those people, I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, there was some stuff in here that I thought uh, was pretty well done. I like the, uh, the initial uh, visit, I'll say, with uh, Herb and the Cone headline uh very letter kenny-esque <laughs> like i'm sure jared casso or whatever just sat there and watched it. i was like oh i could write some dialogue it's pretty hockey like <laughs> this uh so i thought that the the bag skate after you lose to norway that's a a deserving bag skate i mean Absolutely. this is a country of downhill skiers and uh ski- speed skaters so mm-hmm. you should be losing that one sk- you shouldn't be losing that one um I thought the uh, the football scene where they're all playing at Christmas time looked like a CFL ball they were playing with. There it looked a little note. too yeah. big for the old. Uh, I had that note. Yeah, for the old <laughs> Americans. <to be laughs> Danny McManus with. out yeah. there slinging the uh, ground.
0: The other thing I had in there was uh, Jack O'Callaghan wearing the root sweater. Yes, yes. yes. So you know they're shooting it in Canada, yeah. right? They yep. just got a bunch of stuff. Yep. And uh, also, uh, there's just another note about him in that scene. He's wearing a University of Maine toque. Oh. So clearly, like a lot of these guys have brought some of their own gear to mm-hmm. wear. Mm-hmm. So he's wearing, I don't know whether they just allowed him to wear it as an honor to, because uh, Mike Mantenuto, who plays Jack O'Callaghan, he played at the University of Maine. So, yeah, he's probably giving a quick sneak in there. Yeah, he's, this I'm is my right team. That's a, the he's just giving one for the You're boys.
1: You're repping. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind the that. Boys. There's no way Jack
0: O'Callaghan <laughs> who played a BU would be wearing a Maine toque. No, I'm <laughs> all right with that. I like that. You'd never wear another school's toque.
1: Cox mm-hmm. should have been cut just for his terrible duster.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's character. what it was. probably Ralphie. what it He had a lot of points. Like well, he, Ralphie was, Cox? Yeah. He, could, he could light it up,
1: so maybe that's what it was. Always weird for me seeing the Twin Towers in a movie now. Yeah, yes, definitely. going back and seeing something that where, where you get that uh, piece. Home Alone 2 I was watching yesterday. Yeah, a little, yeah. A little different. Um, what else did I have here? Oh, I had something about who were the three goal scorers against Trechiak in the first game. Keep the puck. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> this is big. Oh, You've the scored. big, the big, most unbelievable thing for me when OC runs McClanahan, his chin strap's undone.
0: Yeah. yeah. Jerry, that's one of your things. He
1: trucks he him hard. There's no way he's trucking him that hard, not doing up his own bucket. I'm sorry. Yeah. If he is, he thinks he's way bigger than he is. I don't yeah. know. He should have had his chin strap. That's yeah. just.
0: That's just like sloppy. Those are li- little bit little bits. Little things. Yeah, little, yeah. things. little things. Oh, it like makes that. sense. Absolutely. But I mean
1: the the piece like we talked about earlier, the actual dust up after that, that's gonna happen. Yeah. Coaches are gonna let him go. Especially sure. back
2: then. Yep, for sure.
1: I'm okay yeah. with it. Yep. Like I said earlier. The only other thing I thought was kind of Bush league, and I don't know if it actually happened. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Just how nonchalant uh Brooks was when he when he pulled uh Craig. Like how he does it and where he does it, like as he's basically just like He's got all his up. stuff. He's walking through the, the locker room. He's like, Yeah, you're it. No. And like just keeps walking. Like I
0: I think it was part of his mind game. It must have been, but like, like, so it totally is. It just gave up 10 I don't goals, think he well. was ever gonna but have actual No,
1: goals. but like you would think he would have a little bit more of an
0: actual sit down conversation about it. <laughs> I agree. I think like, if I he, thought that was pretty yeah, fair he enough. Really even but if he's going to pull a mind game thing, he would have done it behind a closed door. Yeah. 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 You're right. If you give 100%. up 10, are it you not expecting something? wouldn't have done that. If you give up 10, are you mm-hmm. not expecting something
2: kind of kickback? Maybe from a coach band closed doors, but you're yeah. going to have to have a talking to.
0: That's a yeah.
1: lot
2: of goals. I agree 100%.
0: Stuff. And I think in real life, he probably would have done that behind a closed door, even if he's playing a mind yeah. game with them. Yeah. I agree with that. No, those are my main kind of big points. Especially goalies, you you kind of handle them differently than players. Well, and you're not going to bring true. Janney in off the bench who mm. hasn't looked at a puck <laughs> since
3: practice.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I and mean, like, okay,
1: yeah, you're going to your first game is in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. you're
0: in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I was just going to mention a small thing. So Victor Tikhonov, the coach of the Russian team, standing in the middle of the bench with the players. That's what those guys did. A lot of those uh, uh old school Russian coaches and like Eastern Bloc coaches, I don't know why they did it. I've never heard why, but I've seen it multiple times. They actually stood in the like on the ground level with the players in the middle of the bench. So there's literally like players with skates on right around your dress shoes, which would freak me out as a coach.
2: I remember him. He's the done. first of the Russian coaches I remember seeing. I remember my dad telling me that that's Victor Tikhonov. Oh, like he's 88 looked, yeah. Olympics or one of the Olympics. He's, he's like, a legend.
0: serious? Is this guy? He Ooh, they yeah. did a good yeah. job. He looked yeah. like yeah. he did look like, like him. Yeah. He is. That's Russian one. Coach. That's another thing. I'll put like literally every single character that they have looks a lot like who they cast them as. Oh, that's good. Like Craig Patrick looks like Craig Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herb, like actually, yeah. they do a good they job. Did a pretty, pretty good job there. He looks like Herb. Eric Peter Kaiser looks like Johnson. Actually, it was a funny thing. They said that some of these guys spent time with the act, like the actual people to get their characters down because they wanted to have that realism. So uh, Mark Johnson's wife, she said it was like so we- eerie because he just reminded me so much of Mark when he was younger because they had been together since like college or whatever. Yeah. So they said it was so weird because they he had the same hair. He kind of had the same mannerisms. He looked like him, kind of talked like him. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty, pretty. Shout neat. out
1: to the casting and hair and makeup people. Absolutely, they must, yeah, they, great uh, job. You,
0: you know, one fair. thing that I was kind of waiting
2: on, and I know this might be weird, but in the realism factor, when they were playing Sweden and Al Michaels, I'm waiting for the Mats Naslin reference. So came way. Did you weird. hear it? Yeah, finally, I, I was heard like, it like, too. It's about time. I need some Mats Naslin. Yeah, there were right some
0: names dropped where I'm like, oh yeah, I yeah. remember him. I was
2: like, I'm waiting. for Like Kvitsov,
0: playing mm-hmm. for the Russians and stuff he like that. Rock the guy. Couple unrealistic things I had uh, in the Bay skating scenes: the guys weren't going to the line; mm-hmm. they were stopping before. And, and in real life, co- if you stop before the line, the coaches are going to blow it down, and like you're going to get started over. Yeah, so they would have definitely gone through the line. And the whole thing about like Ruzioni being on the bubble of getting cut—I just don't know if that actually really happened. I tried to read up to see if that was re- realistic. Like, did that actually happen? I don't think it did. I'm guessing that it didn't. I think they added it in for the hollywood aspect because you think about it he was one of the most experienced guys on this team he'd already played two seasons in the ihl had big numbers in the ihl and also he was having a good year with the us team leading up to it he was one of their top scorers on that team i don't see him being on the bubble of getting cut
2: you know what else he has and then i know this might sound funny i'm not trying to be funny he also has some man strength Yeah, Yeah. to play against the bigger boys, big Russians, like those strong Russians. He's got some 26-year-old man strength instead of, you know, 18, 19, 20, like Mike Ramsey, so Mm to speak.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, so I just wanted to mention one thing about uh, Robbie McClanahan, Nathan West. So I mentioned earlier that the guy that played Robbie McClanahan, Nathan West, he he had actually played in the OHL, played for the Detroit Whalers. The interesting thing was he was a goalie. So when he came out for the film, he was trying out for Jim Craig, but they ended up going with Eddie Cahill because they had an idea. So they ended, But they, they really wanted Nathan West's acting in it. So they ended up writing a few extra parts for Robbie McClanahan and had him do a bit of acting in it. And he ended up playing out. But, uh, yeah, Nathan West was actually a goalie with the Detroit Whalers in the OHL in the mid-90s. He made up a goalie tandem with Robert Dash.
2: Oh, really?
1: Oh, yeah, nice. Robert
0: Dash is pretty good American hockey, like American Team USA goalie. Yeah, I the thought
1: that, that West Kid's a pretty good looking kid. Let's oh, yeah, He's a part. handsome yeah, yeah, he handsome is. guy. Yeah.
0: Definitely. So Eric Peter Kaiser, I've mentioned it, who played Mark Johnson. Here's an interesting stat. He went to your alma mater JR. He was a Potsdam Bear. Was he? Yeah. There you go. He All p- right. He played uh 3 <laughs> so he, D- he, he was uh <laughs> he played D three at, at Potsdam. He was there when I was at Clarkson, actually. I didn't oh, really? yeah. that's funny. So there's a TV movie that came out in 1990 or 1981, the year after the Olympics. It was called Miracle on Ice. Get this. Steve Gutenberg plays Jim Craig. Yeah, oh, he does.
3: Okay. Mahoney. The old
2: stonecutters. Oh, the old stonecutters had a thing in that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: little
2: Simpsons reference for you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <The> no <Noah laughs> homers club. Let's get into the soundtrack. So the music was composed by Mark Isham. Isham's known for his jazz and electronic works and has been involved in over 100 film and TV soundtrack projects. Film and TV projects include A River Runs Through It, *Varsity Blues, Men of Honor, Miracle, and 42, among others. Isham has collaborated with Gavin O'Connor on four movies. Um, I don't have a ton, so I'll be quick. Uh, he has a great
2: resume, of course, and the, movie, the music seemed fine for me. Um, I don't go that deep into this stuff as to listeners probably know fine with me web
1: there's not a whole lot on this one to really talk about there's the the typical kind of disney symphony type music um i will say this this particular soundtrack could have definitely used some more cowbell yes (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah uh that was like there was only a couple noticeable songs that i picked up on that was one of them um but yeah i mean it's fine for what it is it's very you know uh I don't know how do we how do we describe it like overcoming some kind of obstacle in your way so they had to get that symphony style
2: motivational yeah
1: like there's there's not a whole lot of like actual pop music to actually go on in this movie so not a
0: whole lot to dive deep on Jay yeah I don't really have anything to add here let's uh, get into our movie wrap-up where does this rank among all-time hockey movies and where does it rank among all-time sports
2: movies Uh, hockey movies it's in my top probably six for sure, maybe even a little bit higher, but I'll say top six all-time movies. Um, I have it at about thirty-five, in and around, in and around the top Ooh. thirty-five somewhere. I really enjoy it. The only knock I have on this is I like it. The only knock, it's a little bit too long for me. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think it's one of those movies. I'll watch it again. I'll watch it if it's on. I don't mind it. I like. I like. I like the story. To our American friends, this is a big story for you guys. You it's beat a, a team deal. that ha- you had no business beating. And I like I said I was talking to an American buddy the other day. If you play these guys a hundred times, you're gonna lose ninety nine of them. This is their big. This big is it for them. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I respect that for them. There's you know there's things you can say, but this is a legit sports story that needs to be acknowledged.
1: This is what <laughs> the wit dog NRA put on to get horned up before they go fuck their wives <laughs> and their girlfriends or whatever like, that's what oh they, they fire they fire on this movie like just that intro alone i Shout was out thinking, the spit and oh my god
3: okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> here we go Eric. um in terms of hockey movies probably in the top probably in the top five or six just because there's not, not enough, enough hockey movies so, that, I, that we can really, really enough do. good ones not enough good ones yeah for sure in terms of all-time sports movies this movie's not getting ever re rewatch from mr webster ever again um <laughs> the whole american values american dream it's just so over the top and so overdone for me the intro alone is four and a half minutes long and mm. it's just showing highlights of like jimmy carter and the opec crisis and you and like, setting the tone the the, the the red wall and everything else like it's just so overdone the whole uh i love it you can't just embrace it for like two hours i can't i can't can't. i just can't i can't do it i love it you can't just embrace it two hours just too much it's it goes back to my fundamental core i'm sorry america (laughs) you're just way too nationalistic and patriotic sometimes it drives me insane um, yep. You guys, Jamer, representing <laughs> hard today, but I'll be that guy. I'll go out on the limb for the team
2: here. <laughs> you guys are going to see a picture later. We'll post it of Jamer's getup. Um, Jamer, I actually bought Jamer, this Lake Jamer <laughs> is rapping
3: hard.
0: I actually bought this onesie in Lake Placid at my buddy Jayla Tulip's wedding a couple years ago in the summer on July 4th. He's looking good. <laughs> um, he's uh, Dancing Bears, Lake Placid ready.
2: Let's there just put it that oh, way, Lake yeah. Placid. He's going to get in that bobsled in front of Zig so, Zag. This
0: thing was soaked in beer
2: by
1: the end of the night. Of so. <laughs> course it was. <laughs> I will say this. You guys also lived there, so you mm-hmm. have a completely different experience. I have mm-hmm. never had to do that. Uh, so I will fair say, enough, I, will enough. say I, I, I don't have that same uh, love affair for the United yeah. States that you guys do. So, um, not that there's anything wrong with it. They do a lot of great stuff for us. I consider them a great friend, but for sure. uh, just too much for me sometimes. I will say this about the movie. I actually think that this movie is just Disney being lazy and looking at a story and saying, how can we basically replicate Remember the Titans, but on ice? Yeah. Right? There's so many similarities. Of of Good parallel. Good. The music, the the relationship. I don't find the storyline of the... Um, the ussr like the cold lady? war oh, i don't cold find war. the cold war sorry i lost my words there for a sec don't find the cold war nearly as um endearing or as appealing as the racial divide that yeah. we get to remember the titans right True. um i don't find that the relationships right like you could say coach yost is essentially coach patrick here right like he he takes PD aside and he, mm-hmm. he coaches him parallel. up and loves him up where Coach Boone is the hard ass and everything else, right? And mm-hmm. Coach Boone is the one that does all the media stuff, and Herb does all the media stuff here, right? He Good takes point. the the team above all else, doesn't care if you're white or black or if you're from Boston or Minnesota. Like, there's just it just seemed really kind of lazy to me on Disney's part. Like they just said, okay, here's a Ameri- here here's something that works. Uh, we saw that it worked with Remember the Titans, mm-hmm. and we're gonna just take this, you know, uh, memory from from uh, the Americans, and and we're gonna. We're gonna put it out there in our own movie and i mean it's fine for what it is it's just it's not something that floats the boat for me i just yep. i didn't think it was overly great i wouldn't probably ever watch it again i did like some of the cool aspects that we talked about with like al michaels mm-hmm. uh, i thought that was kind of neat They brought some credibility to the historical uh, significance of it
3: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah i just thought in a lot of respects it was just so over the top it just too much for me i couldn't embrace it. and it was way too long way okay. too long
0: i like the movie it's um I remember fondly watching it at the Roxy Theater in Potsdam. Remember that place Jar? Yes, I do. <laughs> we, we would always like sneak a few beers in, right? Cuz it's a small <laughs> small town theater, oh, yeah. nobody really cares. There's two bucks to get it kind of deal. And there's one guy working it, right? He's working the popcorn machine and the projector.
2: <laughs> He's the jack of all <laughs> trades. He's the
0: guy and the ticket taker. And I remember going with like cuz we we had a pretty split team. Um we had pretty much half Americans, half Canadians on our team at Clarkson when I was down there. And so we had a lot of fun. Like, we called it the fluke on ice. But it's it's literally like Mexico beating the 92 Dream Team. That's kind of what it was. It mm-hmm. really was, like, incredible, like, that this team could beat Russia. I mean, Russia beat the NHL All-Stars 6-0. They were just mopping everybody up. Like, that's how good they were. I've got this movie number three on my hockey list uh, uh, behind Slapshot Youngblood. And I've got it at number 29 on my all-time movie sports list. I like it. I think it's a good, solid movie. It's a wide audience movie. Yeah. You can watch it with you different can, people.
1: Yeah, you can show it to a lot of people. It just it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, all good.
0: We've been doing this on all of our pretty most recent uh, podcast episodes. We're going to do a draft today. I always want to give a shout out to JJ Redick and uh, the old man in the three, where we got the idea from. So today's draft is going to be favorite World Junior Championship players of all time and we're going to kick it off with a good boy from PEI. Oh yeah. JR. Here we go. <laughs> Here
2: we go. All right. Pick number 1. You are the gentleman that inspired me to like World Juniors. I used to pretend to be you with the old neon green Cooper Air pads on. He had Ooh, cool those are pads, sick pads. Cool hair. He exuded cool and nobody could back up and look so cool on the bench as this guy. I got to go Trevor Kidd, baby. Number no, one. Number one. <laughs> Trevor, <laughs> <eight pick>.
1: Trevor <laughs> Kidd. Trevor Kidd is a pick. fantastic He's world great. goalie. Great pick. Uh, I'm going to go... Oh, no, sorry. It's Jamie. You're is number him, two is this me? Week.
0: You're two this week. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with a guy who probably doesn't get as much credit as he should, but this guy... He was a University of Michigan product, and he holds the distinctive honor of being the most winningest player in WJC World Junior Championship history, tallying three gold medals and three appearances with Team pick. Canada between 1994 and '96. I'm going with Jason Botterill. That guy was a great nice pick.
1: pick. Love nice pick. Jason
0: Botterill. Good. Nice pick. He's a. I think he's either GM. He was, he a, GM was a GM of the GM Sabres, somebody. But I think he just got fired, but he'll get on. He's, yeah. a, he's a smart guy. I'm going, uh, Mr. Canada.
1: Not only the world juniors, I felt like he had a pretty good world juniors, but he went on to have a really good uh, pro career and then was like Mr. Canada in, in world championships and even the Olympics. Uh, I'm going with Ryan Smith with you number one. Never go wrong with a yeah, Smitty I'm going baby. With Ryan Smith, number one. Great pick. <laughs> and you got hair. the next pick too, Web. Yeah, uh, and his hair. He's got some sick flow. Sick flow. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with a guy uh, around same kind of air, actually. I think they probably played on the same world junior team. Um, and I always loved him. He was probably my favorite player in the NHL at the time. And he ended up getting his career kind of cut short uh, by, uh, I believe it was Gary Souter with a cross check to the head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going with Paul Correa at number two for me. Ooh, nice! I like Paul, loved yeah, Paul I loved Paul loved him on the juniors. Paul that ninety-three, Curry.
0: that ninety-three World Juniors, loved that ninety-three
2: yeah. World. We used to get University of Maine games on the island, and that was like the first college hockey experience I ever saw.
1: Was Paul Kariya and University of Maine?
0: Paul Kariya wore the bubble too.
1: He had the the full yes, the, the bubble did. mask. I just always think of like what could have been for that guy, right? Oh. He's just another one. He, it's one of those sad stories that you know in the wrong era. Yeah, he totally really did. did. Totally
0: still had an amazing career. But he did. Could have done more for sure. Yeah all right so we've been we've been all Canada so far I gotta go out I gotta step away from Canada I'm gonna go with the all-time world Junior champ scoring leader with 42 points in 14 games that's insane it's pretty yeah, crazy. he tell his people he only played in two world Junior championships in the 93 tournament alone Peter forsberg had 31 points in seven games two silver medals he didn't win gold but I just think his, his individual dominance, I got to put him on my list. So I got Peter Forsberg with my second pick. He had a, he
2: toyed with people. All right, uh, my next pick from the 1996 World Juniors. I loved this guy. He went on to play in the NHL for a while. And I remember in the minor leagues too. Uh, he was a Cam loops Blazer. not Dama Kelly.
3: Yes. I loved Matt Love Dama Kelly. <laughs>
2: and he, he was good he was fantastic and then I get I get the next one right you do, you do. I get the next one I gotta go with his line mate fellow Camloops Blazer and an excellent uh, winter driver in Boston if you've watched him on the news <laughs> yeah <laughs> How
3: did
2: that person Great not pick. know uh, Jerome Ginla, yeah. you dominated the world juniors was and it, they were in Boston that year ironically enough and you and Nat
0: ran train on people he was sick alright this is a tough one because I've got some i got some guys that I want to pick But I'm going to go off the board here. I'm going to go off the board. And and I'm picking this because I remember watching this moment, and it was a vivid memory for me. And it was uh, in the 1991 tournament in Saskatoon. I remember watching this with my mini sticks playing, mimicking the game with my foam puck and mini sticks in my living room. But this former Cornwall Royal legend, who I used to watch at the Memorial Center. Oh, boy. And he playing against Great. the front next. This guy Woo-hoo. was a guy that I, I actually really looked up to as a kid. I really wanted to mimic my game around. He hailed from St. John's, Newfoundland. He scored one of the most memorable goals in world junior mm-hmm. history. His late goal in the third period helped Canada beat Russia and seal the gold for the first time on home soil. I'm talking about my boy, John Slaney. John Slaney. Big goal, John Slaney. Love John Slaney.
1: Wow. That's it. A- okay. Uh, I guess I'm going <laughs> to... I'm looking at our list here, and the list I've got looking up. I feel like to keep our younger audience somewhat engaged at this <laughs> point, we may no. need to go with somebody from. We're dating ourselves, yeah, a that. big time. So yeah, I mean, I'm torn between. Uh, I you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference. I, I was gonna go with Taves. I was gonna go with Eberly. I'm not gonna go with either. I'm gonna go with Tavares. Uh, and Ooh. Tavares had a big time goal New Year's Eve against the Russians. Yes, he, he, did. Did. Uh, he did. With like 0. 0.5 of a second left to, to tie it, to then go into overtime to set up to set up that release. So that was a big I'm going to go with Tavares as my my third pick. It's a great and pick. pick. Great as much pick. as it kills me as an anti-Leaf fan, but it's okay. I'll go the with Tavares. I think
0: I got to give you Web. I think I got to give your team the the nod this week. You got a fine squad. Took like a lot of forwards. Yeah. You That's got some team. firepower though. I got to yeah. give yeah. you.
1: some yeah, firepower you do. There. Honorable yeah. mentions. Yeah. Double, Double D, D, D on, baby. Oh.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have to have him you on. Gotta, I, I have to give this guy, because he was my hero, and, I, and he had one of the most dominant years at a tournament, Eric Lindros. Yeah. yeah when I'm,
1: I'm going to give one uh, homage to the Kingston Frontenacs, Chris Gratton. Yes, All 93. Right. Oh, wow. Jamer will remember when we were kids. He oh. was like It was the biggest deal <laughs> if somebody from your hometown OHL team made the World Juniors. He and was win. sick. When he made it, I remember being happier than a pig and shit. I he lived so around
0: happy. the corner at Neil Joint's place. Oh boy! And oh I boy! I remember Ooh. they did I remember oh road, road hockey with him. I remember that he was from Brantford, right? Yeah, he was. So yeah.
1: TSN did all the like the pregame stuff about the players, and they were doing like you know outside Gretzky. the Brantford sign, Holman Gretzky, and somebody had written on marker and Chris Gratton. And great Chris, great. Gratton. <laughs> Chris Gratton. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was sick. Uh, he had a good NHL career. He was good. He was a good like Long, longevity guy.
2: Yeah. Played uh, top two yeah. younger viewers I have one and this was just a couple years ago in 2018 Thomas Shabbat
1: yes he basically Ooh. that was Team USA yeah. versus Thomas Shabbat yes. Canada had no business stud. in that game he and
2: he kept them afloat they lost but I think he scored maybe one or T played he was all over the place so I gotta like, shout
0: out Eberly Jordan Eberly, yeah Powell Bure had a really good term in 89 oh, yeah. Manny Legacy was nasty in the 93. I nine had him three. on my list. We didn't, fantastic. we didn't. I mean, other than Trevor Kidd, did we actually touch any of the goalies?
1: We never even mentioned Kerry Price. I
0: Kerry no. I uh, <laughs> Price, Justin Poggi, Remember the big yeah. year? Yeah. Uh, that one sucked because I was a Leafs guy. I'm a Leafs guy, and I was like, this mm-hmm. guy's going to be a stud. It just didn't happen. Felix Potvin. Potvin. There was a I bunch mean, of, like, Canadian People
2: players. can get back at us, too, online if there's people. That we, I mean, obviously, tons of people we missed.
0: I got to yeah. give a shout-out to one of my former teammates who uh, – he actually is one of the best U.S. goaltenders to ever play in the World Juniors. Bobby Geffert was a guy that I played with down in Augusta. So he posted a 4-2 record, 1.77 goals against, and a 9.37 save percentage at the 2003 World Juniors in Halifax. Despite losing to Canada 3-2 while getting peppered with over 50 shots, Geffert received a standing ovation from the Canadian capacity crowd when he left wow. the ice. Yeah, he was a he was one of the funniest guys I ever played with. He was just like a ball of laughs. Like just <laughs> And he was
1: tiny. He was like 5'9". I mean, this is a tough one, too, because there's so many guys that were just studs in the World Juniors that didn't necessarily go on to to have real... You know NHL success and it's kind of one of those sad things where it's like out of sight out of mind right yeah like you, you 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 love these kids for that two-week period in December January yep. and then you forget all about I them. think of like
0: Ralph Intranuval Ralph Intranuval he was a really good player yeah. I think of uh who's the guy he ended up being a Canucks pick but didn't really pan out he was a small guy Jordan I think it was no no his last name was Reed Brandon Reed Brandon Reed Brandon, Reed. Brandon Reed. that's right yeah so I forgot about him well tell them where to hit us up web
1: all right thanks again everybody for listening and for subscribing don't forget to uh, write a comment leave us a review thanks again you can follow us at at big league flicks on instagram and at twitter have a great merry christmas everybody stay safe
0: merry christmas everybody take care thank you shout out to our fans in saint cloud minnesota take us away steve
2: talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring Fun facts and trivia, man, rocket comparing Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Leagues,
1: talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants?
2: With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics Jordan Christian and Jammer with big league flicks Jordan Christian
0: and Jammer with big league flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer with big league flicks